Dimp Digital presents the DDT Wrestlecast. from Dimp Digital. Welcome to the DDT Wrestlecast. We are back once again, this time to review AEW Full Gear 2020, which took place this past Saturday here as we are recording and publishing this. I'm once again joined by the main man, Le Champion himself. It's Paper. How's it going? I think that's the last time we might be able to say that as well. You know, the next the next pay-per-view, I can't refer to myself as Le Champion anymore. It, that could be it. Um, that could be it. We'll see if we can squeeze maybe one more in with Le Champion to uh, uh, to your name. Maybe we should do a celebration or like a retrospective look back at your your time as Le Champion, 12 months. <laughs> the disgrace it's been. Some people are saying that the Fantasy Gaming League Championship belt is a bit of a curse. Because we had Hall on a streak of winning, then the belt gets involved and he loses. You get the belt. Looks like you could blow that and lose that. And if next year um, Biff does indeed have it and loses it, there's a pattern emerging that the belt is too hot to handle. That that pressure, it's like a hot potato. You just can't hold it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got full gear, which is there's actually not been that much time since the last pay per view. This is like the sh- this feels like it's the short. Um, part of the calendar where they have a couple of pay-per-views, not you know once a month, but every sort of eight to, to nine weeks, and this is one of those. Um, how have you been getting on with with AEW as a whole since we last spoke for for All Out? I think we both kind of you know, enjoyed All Out, but felt like there was a lot of improvements that could have been made, um, it, perhaps even into the lead-up of that one. Yeah, I, I personally, yeah, I know what you mean. This was only, yeah, I think, two months. I think the lead to the next pay-per-view is saying like four months, so yeah. there's a massive gap. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I personally with AEW, I, I just quite enjoy it. It's, it's, it I, I enjoy sort of zoning out a bit on like a, I, I watch it usually on a Saturday morning uh, to watch Dynamite. I know that's yeah. a fair few days later, but I just quite enjoy zoning out and uh I, just, I can just get into the stories a bit more and it's a bit slower paced, I think, than like WWE was. So personally, I've sort of been enjoying it. The build up to this one, there's been a couple of cracking storylines uh, that have been building, which led to this one, um, which is also interesting. There's a couple of questionable storylines as well that, that mm. we'll also come into, I guess, as we go through this. But um, yeah, I all in all, I'm, I will, I will, I'm quite happy with AEW at the moment. I'm just, enjoying it i'm taking it for what it is it's um and there's no other product out there on the wrestling market that i'm i'm sort of willing to pick up and swap out for or or, or supplement aw with so yeah yeah doing a good job yeah i am um, i tried to i flirted with trying to watch a bit of wwe again and just couldn't couldn't bear it and then new japan had their g1 um tournament which is um i think it's like 10 events but it's it's quite condensed in like a month or so three three four weeks and i watched the first sort of three or four events and it was good but i was like i can't keep up with this 
they weren't and they weren't posting the English um, commentary until like two or three days after the event. So I was trying to avoid spoilers for three days, quickly watch it. And then by the time I got around to watch them, it was time for another event. And I was like, this is this is too much. But yeah, I think now I've just resigned myself to just committing to AEW and just sort of leaving it there, not trying to because you can get burnt out on wrestling quite easily got to be careful not to just fill um your time with toot because you won't want to watch the new stuff i think i sort of have yeah. a balance where i watch some of the old stuff you know, maybe once a week once every two weeks and just keep up with with aw every week and, and just settle for that for now yeah it's 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 like if aw seems to have about the right amount of time in my head i can give to wrestling which is sort of about two to three hour period a week and mm. um, they obviously have their dynamite which is a two-hour show which is just about the right amount of time for me before i start you know going off on a tangent and forgetting about things and they've got a good couple of things that are supplemental to it so um i watch uh, being in the elite bte and maybe like sammy Guevara's uh podcast and stuff like that a little few things that are on the side that's not really AEW, but you know also just interesting to watch i don't tend to watch dark because mm. they're just squash matches i know and i'm a bit gutted that i've sort of missed out on the branding cut the storyline but the problem is that's probably a good storyline that's been supplemented with just a load of crap just to boost people's win loss ratios um uh, and that's what's a bit frustrating they could definitely do a lot more with that show i know they've tried to do a few matches but it just still feels very an hour and a half of two hours of squash matches yeah it's dark is just too long now like like there's episodes that run two two hours two and a half hours and it's just like these is this is obviously the b show it's quite clear this is the b show and it's like why is the b show running for two some two and a half hours one of them was recently and i was like good lord so i had to sort of watch it in dribs and drabs throughout like a few days like that should be an hour max really but i guess they've got yep. they've got a lot of indie talent they're picking up there's people like it's been reasonably rewarding i guess when the people like will hobbs have come through um and we saw him at the the uh what was it the battle royale he was in wasn't he and he'd, yeah. he'd come off of off of dark and, and done a decent job. And there's a couple of others on this. I kind of half enjoy watching that, yeah. but it is just that they, lately they've been trying to put like storylines in, like you mentioned Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. That's been like a fixture throughout, and they do sometimes a few interviews, but really it can't be going. I mean, two hours is just way too long for it yeah. to be, Look, to I, be I, considered. I, it, it's good in a sense that, you know, it does help supplement the main show. So we wouldn't be able to have a lot of the the Ricky Stark and the Brian Cage stuff without Dark because they're getting all their wins on Dark. So they can come mm. out and be like, well, oh, we're getting all these wins. And yeah. They don't have to say it's against, you know, squash opponents, but they are getting all these wins. And that's what sort of Dark sort of helps do, you know, helps them, I guess, push these people that so they when they do need to use them in dynamite they they can do but it's just it's just a bit tedious to watch if i'm being honest i I, I don't enjoy it yeah it definitely needs a bit of a formula change how are you finding bte then because i think i initially put you onto it and you was like well it was entertaining but it's not for me and then i checked back in with you probably about a month or two later and you was like oh i love bte and i was like well i didn't expect that to happen (laughs) i at first i thought it was just a bit you know a real really sort of 
shit and gimmicky you know like you know the whole of like uh what's it like cult cabana chasing like uh kenny around and stuff like that and i thought well what, what the, f- the fuck's this and then like um i think if, when she just accepts it i think it's something you said i think you if you start just accepting it for what it is it's actually all right and there's actually little bits of story in there that you know help supplement everything and i just sort of just started to just no, I sort of just started just to be more chilled with it, I guess, in my own tone. And then I actually came to quite like it. And there's every now and then you get little bits that help, you know, push the story along in in some of the stuff off camera. That's yeah. you know, not going to happen on, on Dynamite. But equally so, like, it's it's things like, you know, you get to sometimes see other wrestlers. And, like, I absolutely love the 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 sort of the the john silver and um <laughs> oh, what's his name with the long hair black um long hair, uh, got knocked out alex, the other week alex reynolds alex reynolds segments like they're they're um you know drink the kool-aid stuff i think they're brilliant and and now now i look at it more as like you know for the uk audience like that like a harry enfield and chum sort of sketch type show type thing and that's what it is it's, it's like a it's a it's a sketch show yeah. uh, for for uh all elite wrestling um and so yeah i i do in, enjoy that a lot yep sounds good well let's move on to full gear and we'll talk a little bit about the build-up to each of the matches as we go through them um you didn't bother with the buying did you so i'll no. just quickly it was serena d versus allison k for the nwa women's title match uh serena d won via tap out in about 10 11 minutes or so and um the only reason I wanted to really mention that off the, off the top, really, was because we've seen recently that AEW and NWA appear to be... There's some sort of relationship there. And we've been seeing the NWA women's title defended. We had Thunder Rosa, who was challenging Sheed at the last pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. What do you, do you think about this relationship with the, the NWA? Is it is it at all enhancing Dynamite? or AEW, or do you think it's more that NWA are actually getting a bit of a push out of this rather than AEW? I I think NWA are getting a fair push from it. Like, I'm still yet to see the benefit of it in All Elite Wrestling unless All Elite Wrestling end up buying out NWA and suck up their female division belt. To be honest, I think the that the NWA belt is probably a higher prestige than the the AEW yeah. belt. Personally, I feel like there's a lot more history there to yeah. it and uh, a lot more prestige. The belt um, looks even, like shit though, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It, it looks yeah. It looks I like think, the TNT be title before they before Cody got the new one, like this just silver yeah. toy. Well, yeah, though to be fair, I, I'm pretty sure the AW, I'm not a big fan of the AEW women's belt either. I think it's no, tiny, too yeah. small. Um, but uh, yeah, I I like history and prestige that goes with the NWA belt. But I just I you always they're never losing that belt on AEW at the moment, and so like I yeah. don't see the points of some of these matches. Like it's just a way to push their star a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I'm a bit just a bit like. Uh, all right, yeah. fair enough, whatever. <laughs> Thunder Rosa was turned up after the match, so maybe they will be having a match. Thunder Rosa v Serena Deeb. I don't know what they'll do with that, but I mean, one of the only things I would say, and this is this is something that pops up in the very first match, is that I like the fact that AEW just are happy to acknowledge the existence of other wrestling promotions, where yeah. in WWE this would never happen. Not now, anyway. I mean, back in the day, but it, it did happen a couple of times with ECW and, funnily enough, the NWA tag team titles. But it just to 
just to live in the real world is handy to just have that for AW where they they acknowledge there's other promotions out there um, and they seem to be working quite closely with with NWA and I was actually watching the NWA product before COVID hit and that's where I saw the likes of Eddie Kingston um, saw the likes of Thunder Rosa, Alison Kay, Ricky Starks. That's we wonder why I like him. It's because I watched him on there, and then saw him sort of come to AW, and I was like, yes, promotion for the boy. Um, but I haven't watched it since it kind of ceased, and, and they were doing a weekly YouTube show. It's about forty-five minutes long, um, but you could sort of tell there was some good good talent there that was getting some screen time. We had some older people. Like, do you remember Mr. Kennedy? Yeah, he was he was there. Yep, Scott Steiner made an appearance for a few weeks. (laughs) He looked fucking well old. Uh, I don't know if you remember James Storm from TNA slash Impact. He was part of the top of my head. Part of Beer Money. Oh, um, I remember Beer Money. Yeah, Bobby Roode. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's kind of what they've been doing with NWA. Um, I really want them to bring in Nick Aldis, Magnus. You'll remember him, Um, (laughs) the British guy. Yeah, he is really good he's he's like another sort of well he's completely different to kingston but he's that level of sort of promo where it's a bit more of a calmer and much more of a you know um a, a different style but he's really good on the mic and solid in the ring as well i really want them to somehow rope him into doing a few aw appearances plus it'll be another brit on the roster which is always good yeah he was the guy from gladiators originally wasn't that's he? it yeah 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 yeah, I know that. Was, I remember he was he originally made his day. He originally came to wrestling through TNA, if I remember correctly, mm. uh, back in the day. Yeah. Um, so I remember him appearing in there. And I'm like, oh, they've signed him. <laughs> it was him and like Doug Williams, who used to be like a tag team in TNA. Yeah. Um, they, I remember when they started expanding into the UK. Like, like the UK was a big market for TNA for a while. They used to do those tours over here, and they were a big hit. And they started investing in trying to get some UK talent, but. I don't think Magnus was quite ready then, whereas now he's he's really good. Anyway, full gear, first official match. It's Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. I was shocked to see that this is the this is the opener, and we we talk about openers that we we, we like to get the, the the show off on the right foot. In my opinion, this got the show off onto the the best foot possible. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I I I was shocked like you when that was announced as the first match but then i'm not sure why i'm surprised they seem to do this a lot AEW with that 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 especially at pay-per-views the first match is always one of the big numbers like in mm. terms of the, probably one of the top three uh bouts of the whole evening um i'm pretty sure like they, they often do like you know title matches and that very first uh one as well and so like yeah looking back i'm, I'm now not so surprised but i'm so glad that they started off with this match. I think it was realistically, it's probably the match. I think everyone that's watches AEW week in week out was probably the most anticipated. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, they, they, they did what you thought they would do. They, they, they both delivered. Um, I, I just, I, I think it, this was interesting. You definitely, you called it right the way it would go. I called it wrong. I was thinking like they would definitely go for like more of a hangman win and stuff mm. like that. But now, seeing with what things happen later on in the show, how they're, they're going to push that storyline. I'm sort of glad that they went for the Kenny Omega win. Um, and yeah, it was just all in all, just brilliant. 
Yeah. Another, another interesting point was that we had Don Callis from Impact Wrestling on the announcing oh, team. Yeah. And I was surprised. And they announced him as an Impact Wrestling EVP. So, again, AEW kind of showing their willingness to work with people. And that's mainly because Don had called a lot of Kenny's matches in Japan. So they obviously probably wanted to bring him. This, this is what they're trying to recapture, I think, AEW, is trying to get that megastar Japanese peak that Kenny had sort of a few years ago um, because there's been criticisms over this first year or so that he hasn't really set the world on fire and everyone was sort of bigging him up before saying, okay, he's really big in Japan, he's really big in Japan, so he's going to be great over here or over in, over in America. But he's kind of stuttered and spluttered and then I think once they... <laughs> Uh, got the tag team titles on Hangman and, and Kenny. Things started heating up a little bit, but um, it was it reasonably. It was, I thought what I love most about the match was that it's a great match. It was Kenny and Hangman have been really putting in the work and having some great matches lately. Um, but they didn't. It, it didn't feel like it needed to go 25 minutes. Like it easily could have warranted it, but it was a 17 minute fat was trimmed and there was pretty much no wasted movement in this match. I just thought it was a really streamlined, great opener. It didn't drag, which was, which is key to these openers. Yeah. I, I, I must admit when they, it, the, the match finished, I was surprised it finished. Like I was like, well, that seems a lot quicker than I, I thought. I'm in my head. I'm thinking this is going to be a long match. And, yeah. and the, the way it was done, it was like, um, in one winged angel, but it was like you know, Hangman was sort of it was. It looked like it was sort of fumbly done. I think that's the intention was that you know, Hangman was trying to massively trying to get out of it. Yeah, that terrifies me. That move. The, yeah, and then, it scares me. I just think I don't know. I just have this horrible vision of someone just landing straight on their neck where they don't tuck it and don't spin round just in time because there isn't a lot of room for error on that one. It really does frighten me sometimes. When there was like scrambling. Obviously, it was. I imagine, like you said, it was um, it was planned, but it looked like it was. He just sort of snatched it and then just yanked it down. I was like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, it was. It was very sort of quick and bang, and it was like suddenly it was just over. And that's what you should. And like in in some respect, that's what a good finishing move does. It's just like yeah. you get it in, bang, and even if that person's you know still semi conscious or whatever and stuff like that, they're not kicking out. And yeah. I think that's exactly what they they managed to em- uh, elevate. Uh, Kenny's finishing move both wrestlers come out sort of like better for it um, yeah. and the sp- all stories can continue it's is really good one of the other pits I really liked about the match um, and this wasn't actually even to do with uh, Kenny or Hangman was it was a nod to sort of Excalibur and JR asked why he was called the cleaner yeah. and the, the VP uh, where his name was <laughs> oh, from Dom. Impact went on and on and on and on about something and he didn't answer the bloody question <laughs> And then, and then Excalibur went, oh, yeah, the reason it's called the cleanest because he used to blow into cartridges. And I'm like, that's it. I need it. I didn't know that either. No. I was like, thank you for just, you know, just coming out with that Excalibur and just, you know, just that's why Excalibur is good and he's so underrated. He just knows things. Like, he calls moves. He tells, he know, just understands everything that's going on in the wider world of wrestling. Yeah. he When the, there was a period where he was not, he was about a month or so where he wasn't on Dynamite. I think we spoke about it last time and just it really suffers and I never thought I'd say that because I thought it was kind of like you could just shift in any other announcer but given the history he's got with a lot of these these workers and a lot of these wrestlers he's, he's vital to have that level of intel um, and history oh, of sure. even on the Young Bucks and FTR one there's there's lots in there that he adds in the in the promos and, and, and what not talking about mainly the Young Bucks really because everyone knows that the revival were in WWE and what not but for those that are just tuning in and not seen the Young Bucks he adds you know another another level to it um, 
how did you find the story leading into this was? Because we've noticed Kenny is clearly going to be turning heel. They're not, they've not made it overly obvious yet. He's a bit sort of tweenerish. He's acting a little bit different. But what do you make of this sort of new Kenny Omega? Like the big grand entrances with the with the ladies coming out dancing and with the sweepers, and then he's got a new haircut. And he even squashed Sunny Kiss in like twelve seconds in the in the first round of this tournament, which I thought was a great way to sort of set Kenny's intentions off. It's almost like he's since the tag team title loss, he's reset and and is focused on that on that world title, and it's coming across well in in, in the week to week TV. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a sucker for a hill if I'm being honest, and so Kenny turn hill is just is is great personally for me i think it's it's really good i think i feel like they've actually been turning kenny hill for a long time and mm. they've just been slowly doing it ever since and i don't remember when he saw turned on marco stunt we're talking like six yeah. months ago here yeah. now and then there was like even a part in bte that you know where he had to go and apologize and then he went yeah. and apologized and he turned out the door and he started laughing or whatever like there's these slow little hints they've been dropping over the period of time and now he's like broken free from uh, hangman should we say you know, yeah. that tag team partnership you'll see that i think i'm seeing that we're seeing that sort of escalate quicker which is quite nice um and i, I love the entrance i must admit it's 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 probably my favorite entrance now in, in AEW. <laughs> I think it just, it's just so over the top mm. and so grand, but it sort of strikes to what Kenny's new character sort of like is this somewhat arrogant person's like, well, of course I'm the best. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I want all this stuff said about me and yeah. it's because, and I can back it up, you know, like I, I'm, I'm great, you know, say all that stuff and none of it's wrong. It's all true. And, and uh, I love it. I think it's, it's great. I'm waiting for the moment though. He comes, starts, because at the moment he's still coming out of the babyface tunnel. He's not yeah. coming out of the the heel tunnel yet. So all the, all the girls are. They all come out the heel tunnel. So I don't know. If it's, like, it's like a signal that he'll eventually go over that side. Um, yeah. But yeah, he doesn't come out. That's it. I, I wonder if they're going to keep those tunnels forever. Um, but I quite like that there is a little bit of greyness to it, and it's not just pantomime black and white here's the face here's the heel. I know a lot of people get frustrated by that. Like, well, who are we supposed to, to cheer for? It's like, well whoever you resonate with like it, it really doesn't matter um in most cases like there's there's out and out hills like mjf and then there's people like kenny who are kind of in transition but i think we'll still if the, if if and when the crowds come back he'll still be popular um even if they try to make him into a full-blown hill so there's not really much you can do yeah exactly he's, he's definitely a hill that the crowds ch- a bit like jericho to be honest like mm. you know you know even even if he does some debacle, you know, it's, it's, it's people still cheer him afterwards. They might boo him for that split second, but people still, it's like Jerry, I said, Jericho, people out still singing his intro and stuff like that. And they love him. And it's because people can respect a good wrestler, even if they're, a hill. It doesn't. People don't need to be the whole sort of pantomime me, you know, nah. boo, hate yeah. him. I'm, I'm hoping that this is the first of many matches. This is like a, this obviously not in the next couple of weeks or so, but I want, I want Hangman and Omega to be revisited, like because I got off, I feel like Hangman is kind of like the guy that they want to at some point get the belt on, not like the world title. But I like the fact that he's failed against Jericho, um, and then he's failed again in this endeavor here, and he's got one loss against Kenny, reasonably quick, so it wasn't like it was a long drawn out match. Kenny ends up with the belt maybe in the future. Hangman works himself into position, perhaps even loses that one. 
but then in a third match, maybe there's a long, maybe maybe Hangman can have the the relevant development to to finally topple Kenny, and that'll make a great long term story to have over like eighteen months, um, if they can if they can do it right and keep keep Kenny in the title picture and keep Hangman relevant. Yeah, I, I definitely mean it's um, the, the, it's it felt like a first phase match because it was quite short. Well, 17 minutes is not short, but you know they can go longer. We know they can do 20, 25 minutes if they need to, which could be saved for, I don't know, a, uh, a later on down the line. Yeah, it sort of somewhat feels like, to be honest, I'd like Kenny to beat Hangman a few more times, but then when it really matters, Hangman gets that 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 win and might be, as you said, for the world title or something along those lines. But you really, I think that's the way to build it up because people will go fucking nuts if that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Orange Cassidy v. John Silver. Hello. To be... Hello. It's all you muted for a second Sorry, there. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. The uh, Skype was playing up, but we will carry on and barrel through. Well, said, I'll tell you what it did. It said I was muted. It said unmute. And I was like, well, he can hear me. So I'm not. <laughs> and um, then I clicked it, clicked it back, and then obviously it, it decided actually I was muted. But um, <laughs> Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. This was supposed to be the buy-in match, and then I guess the Serena Deeb and Alison K match was presented as an option, so it got bumped to the main card. Um, ten minutes, Cassidy wins and beats John Silver. How did you find this this match? Because um, it was bumped up from the buying, but did it did it earn its place on here, or or did it outstay its welcome? It sh- it should have just stayed on the buying, if I'm being honest. Like yeah. you know, I, I appreciate they they're forever trying to they're consistently trying to push Orange Cassidy, but in in some aspects it, it was a long drawn out squash match because they're never going to let Cassidy lose to John Silver. Though John Silver's getting a lot of um, heat at the moment, yeah. he's still nowhere near what Cassidy's got, and uh, so he's never going to win. So it should have definitely been on that buy-in and just cut some of the promos out of the buy-in, and mm. you've got a really good buy-in there. Um, yeah. It just it just wasn't needed, and I think we talk about this every time, especially around events that go that slightly bit too long. This was two uh, three hours and like forty five minutes. Yeah. The whole pay per view, take that out, and the, sort of the build up to it, because there really wasn't a lot of build up to like like in terms of the build up on the show. You've saved yourself probably about twenty minutes there, and you're yeah. in like a sweet spot. I see under that sort of three and a half hour period, and this sort of just it it does make it drag a bit sometimes, you know, sometimes when it goes that little bit long. Mm. And I did feel like the storyline for this in a build-up was very weak. Like, like it just wasn't great. And I, I love both these uh, wrestlers. I think they're great, but it just, it just didn't feel in comparison. So you go through this whole roster of main event. It was probably the one, the one that had the weakest build-up of the lot of them. Yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, you can't do six months storytelling, matches on every pay-per-view but this was John Silver basically interfered in Orange Cassidy's matches and cost him a few that's basically the story Um, and then they got to Orange Cassidy got to to beat him on a a pay-per-view I thought it was actually a good match for what it was Um, and coming off the back of the Kenny and Hangman matches sort of was a bit of a you know, it was it was a step down. Don't get me wrong, but it was nice to have that before going into the, sort of the next match. But in terms of match quality, what did you make of of this? I think it was it was good. I there was. I felt I like it could have been better. I don't know yeah. why. I felt so, like it was. I was when I saw it. I was like, that's going to be a really exciting match. Okay, maybe we're not that invested in it from a storyline perspective, but I thought maybe they could almost steal the show. But it was 
don't get me wrong, it was good, but I really I think that they can do a lot better than that. So yeah, so I, my theory on this and this say theory is like there was so John Silver. What, do you remember that time when he just went in dynamite a few weeks back, which just went on a massive rampage around the edge of the ring? I can't remember. It must have been that four way tag, and yeah. um, he like did all those crazy moves really quickly, yeah. like really powerful. And I, I'm, I'm yet to see that from him again. I want to see more of that. You know, this little, you know, like little hamster that fucking just sprinting <laughs> around all over the place doing you know, these real quick moves, and everyone's like, "Wow, look at that!" Yeah. He's like quite big for this small little guy, but look at the, the power and stuff like that. And he's he's good. Like he does all these sort of like power lifts stuff like that. But I don't know. I would like a little bit more of that. And I, I, yeah, I just. I don't know. I, it's also the same point. It's like, how much can the Orange Cassidy gimmick keep doing the same thing without doing something new? And before people go, we've seen this now so many times. And this is sort of my one of my observations that I would like them to sort of pull Cassidy back a bit, you know, just back to being, you know, Trent and the best friends or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, help and just sort of doesn't really get too involved. And then when it needs to come out, it comes out and, it, you know, everyone bloody loves it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm looking back at the Jericho trilogy with Cassidy. I feel like it's not. I don't. I don't feel like Cassidy's been elevated that much now. It feels like he's almost back to where he was. Um, with that, and Jericho's obviously stayed at the the level in the main card and whatnot. But I kind of wonder what the point was in giving him that 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 sort of two one victory over Jericho now. Um, I've not seen them really build on it. I don't know how you build on it because, like you say, he's such a such a weird gimmick that it's hard for him to go out there every week and wrestle um, yeah. and take it on. But yeah, I, I don't know now about that whole joke. I mean, it's good that he gave him the spotlight, but I think he would have been fine coming into this match against John Silver and we wouldn't have known any different, even if he hadn't beat Jericho. Um, yeah, exactly. I just, I, I, yeah, I just, I just feel like it's, he's a good, He's, he's good to the card and he definitely sells it but let's not just oversell the gimmick like let's not overuse it so it's the gimmick dies and maybe that's because they're using it pretty much every week on, on dynamite now yeah. that is that people are well I, for me i like it's it's it's, it's definitely fun but like i just still put him in little segments backstage where he's doing stuff that's that would work as, better than having him in the ring every week yeah, exactly. You want this guy just to be lazy, be like, oh, I don't really care about having a fight this week and stuff like that, and just just be in there and, and stuff like that. And then something happens and it builds up and builds up. And like, you could got a four month period now where maybe just don't put, maybe don't really put him on dynamite at all in terms of a match and just build him in just back segments and stuff like that. Maybe helping a few people out here or there, mm. and then you know build up to some sort of pay per view thing. Then use him that way. I don't know. Yeah, I felt like that because they'd done the Jericho thing. They must have had something ready for him. Like a real, like another good program, but he just sort of went back into the pack, and I was like, oh. It also, I think he also gets elevated by the people around him. Like, yeah. his best match, like, like, I'm not saying John Silver isn't good and that wasn't a, a reasonable match, but like, in my head, like, the Jericho matches were great. The pack match was great. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but these are people that really can play a really good wrestlers, but also good, you know, at storytelling at the same mm. time and can really work with. Orange's Cass- Orange Cassidy's gimmick, but you know, maybe some of these you know uh, newer wrestlers don't really get that as much. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? We then move into the TNT title match: Cody versus Darby Allen. Um, this is their fourth meeting, I think. They had a draw, and then Cody won back to back. Before the uh, the event, I kind of we mentioned like, oh, you mentioned. I think you said Cody will retain. I was thinking. Maybe, I said maybe Derby could win. Derby does win, 
So in the fourth out, and he finally gets the better of Cody and captures the TNT title. And this has been a storyline that really has been going on over a year because Darby's first match was against Cody, and it ended in a draw. Um, and then Cody beat him two, two consecutive matches, uh, once in the TNT title tournament, and once I think it was on the New Year show that they did. That might have been the first episode you started watching, actually, of Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then t- finally Darby gets that monkey off his back and, and beats Cody and captures the TNT title. What did you think of this as a match? The the story between Darby and Cody, which clearly is not not finished, and also the fact that the TNT title has changed hands because that's now you know that's two changes in or even three reasonably in in reasonably quick succession. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Like I I'm, my sort of theory behind why it wasn't going to change hands was because in my head the TNT title should only really change on TV on TNT Strange rather than. Yeah. The rather than pay-per-view so i was looking at and thinking first of all why is this match a pay-per-view surely you know it's the type of thing that you, you use to you know win on tv and now i'm looking at and thinking well what does this title really represent it just feels maybe like the secondary belt now um not that's a bad thing and it's, it feels like it's got the prestige to it i the story behind it i think is it's been great long-term storytelling i think the whole sort of cody i feel like this is one of these interesting points as well. There's is Cody Cody's sort of in this sort of gray area at the moment where he's definitely a baby face, but he has mm. heel moments to him and you just still don't quite Cocky know. Cocky fucker, isn't he? Exactly. The, really the, annoys the Arn Anderson. And, <laughs> he does um, his press ups. Yeah, exactly. But you just don't know where fully he, he definitely sits. And I like that. I like there's a bit more depth to these characters and so forth. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's I, it was a it was a great match I think I I'm, I think the finish was just a bit meh I'm still yet to see I, I don't feel I, I like, like Darby Allen a lot I just I still just don't feel like he's got a finishing move that you know would just you know knock someone out every single time that's I think his problem uh, mm. that like that coffin drop just looks weak as piss to be honest yeah. um, and so I just I would like I just like to see him maybe start whistling out a new sort of finishing move that just um, really a bit like they can protect he doesn't have to use it all the time but one they can use every now and then that just finishes a match um i'd like to see that especially for someone they're clearly trying to push and that obviously gets a lot of um attention uh it's uh i i think it's good move i i was was reading i was listening in the scrum afterwards that you know people asking tony khan that you know did he feel proud that this was a homegrown thing and that that annoyed me a little bit because a lot of these people are they're not homegrown they're from the indie scene whereas like like and the only people that can probably really say like homegrown is maybe wwe with their school but every all of these guys have been on so many other promotions and stuff like that it's the other promotion thinking what it's it's just that they're a bigger player if that makes sense um but yeah i i thought it was a good match like i um yeah i just i, I feel the finish was just a bit weak in my opinion though yeah it was interesting about their four matches is one end of the draw so we didn't you didn't get a proper finish there the two cody wins were um roll-ups and like um you know, quick pins in that sense. I think one was after a coffin drop, he put his knees up, yep. he got a cradle. And the second one was the coffin drop landed and Cody kind of reversed it as he landed and got the pin. And in this one, Darby gets the win over Cody with, you know, a, a, there was exchanging all sorts of different cradles, basically. And he eventually gets enough leverage to get the free count. I'm interested to see when, because they will, they will have a match again. I've no doubts about it down the line. I'm interested to see eventually when one of them gets a decisive pin over the other and who that is. 
Because I think that'll be that'll be telling. I think that's one that they should save for Derby to have, just to sort of put a stamp on that he's he's maybe better than Cody at this time. But I did find it interesting they would they, they again avoided doing like a decisive finish, um, and and they went for the. The, the sort of quick pin, which can happen on any given night, I guess the the story you could tell there, and that's what Cody can say. He wasn't he wasn't beaten down like he was against bloody Brody Lee, where he was just mullered in five minutes or whatever it was. Um, Team Taz then come out and fucking beat them both up, and Will Hobbs turned out to to sort of fend them off. But just a quick word on Taz. I never realised he was this good on the mic. I never, <laughs> I never saw him in in ECW really. So maybe that's where his main stuff was. And WWE certainly didn't give him much of a chance. And then from then on, he's always been an announcer to us. But in the lead up to this on on Dynamite, he's just fire on the mic. He's really good. Yeah, he's he's he just he can cut a promo really good in the ring, and that's sort of what you want. You want someone that that can come out kick things off within a couple of minutes on that mic and he, he can definitely do that um yeah I, I feel that that was actually team taz is, is turned out to be a good little faction i feel like mm. for aw it's not too big um it's it's full of guys that that people generally are, are, are quite hard i'm not too sure about this whole recruiting will hobbs i know it's part of the story but i, I don't feel like he's the type of person that I would put in that team anyway. No. Um, so I, I know it's, as I said, it's part of the story and he definitely won't join cause he's definitely a baby face. Uh, but like, I like that it's small. They're both, they all just don't give it not a shit, but like, um, they're just hard and they're, they're definitely on the hill side of the fence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah. Taz in itself is just, just great on that mic at the moment. And I feel like Ricky starts could handle his own on the stick, but he definitely helps out cage though sort of has to say very little like definitely that's where i'll say cage's weaknesses is on the mic so having taz there is just great and starks can handle himself we've seen that he's, he's really good on the mic but they'll be feuding no doubt and will hobbs will be thrown into that as well and it'll be interesting to see whether derby does a similar thing to what cody started doing where he defended almost every week i think it's like every other week in the end or whether it becomes a bit more deliberate in terms of who gets the title shots, because you run out of people quickly doing it that quickly. Um, Cody certainly did, and we had people getting sort of two lots of title shots, which was uh, yeah, which kind of run its course. But maybe Darby will bring, bring a different dimension to that, and he's now the new face of TNT, which they kept yeah. making a big deal of. I think they. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see Darby hold on to it for a, a fair while now. It feels like that TNT title. I know Cody. Uh, held it a lot at the start uh but he was like doing it week in week out i would quite like to see derby become the longest holder of this title mm. i would i just feel like you know it'll build derby to have you know the, this ability to you know be a title holder and so forth i feel like there's some really good feud into going between him and team taz um and yeah i would be interesting i i definitely feel like dynamite's he doesn't need to defend that title. For example, there's clearly a couple of tag matches between Team Taz and Derby yeah. and Will Hobbs and stuff like that, you know, coming up. And, you know, maybe that's how they do it. And just, you know, pick and choose those those title matches now. I just don't want Ricky Starks to feud with Derby anymore because I know he won't come out on the, on the top of it. He needs to just, he needs to have a good feud to himself that he can win. But I know he's all tied into this now. So he's going to have to take the L and come back maybe, <laughs> maybe early next year. <laughs> <laughs> maybe who knows who knows uh qt marshall and dustin rhodes cut a promo wasn't 
Dustin's still pretty good. Um, that's setting up a, a bunkhouse match against the Butcher and Blade on Dynamite. So, well, what is a bunkhouse match? Because uh, I, I still don't know what it is. Let me. I, I, funny enough, when I've been watching the old '80s stuff, it. Um, I watched one the other day. I think you have to throw them over the top of like a. Uh, what do you have to do? It's a battle royale. Over the top rope. Where wrestlers wore bunkhouse gear, which is blue jeans and cowboy boots. Similar to a street fight, weapons are allowed. Um, to win the match, wrestlers had to be the last one in the ring with all the other wrestlers having been thrown over the top rope. Huh. So it's basically, it sounds like a hardcore-ish battle royale. But they did it once of a cage. Um, which I saw recently and I was like, what on earth is this? They had some weird stuff in the 80s that I never had known or seen before. Like I watched the War Games the other day and I was like, Jesus Christ. These, <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't... I know they tried to do it with blood and guts, actually, but I didn't, <laughs> didn't realise they did all this. Um, then got a little... Another... They announced the match between Penta L0M, or Meadow, Versus Ray Phoenix, so they're going to battle again, which is going to be an excellent match. Hopefully, Phoenix doesn't fucking break his back nearly like he did in the first one. Yeah, uh, well, this, I'm surprised he's back so quick. He, he yeah. What happens just... to him? Like he dies, like and can't wrestle the next week, but then he's back the following week. Like I don't know if he's. I'm, I'm assuming he's really just resilient and quick, quick <laughs> recovery. But he, um, that was that was scary <laughs> when he when he lands on his back of his head and neck. Um, yeah, but they'll have a good match on Dynamite, and then also take Conti versus Red Velvet. <laughs> Not interested. Yeah, uh, women's title match: Nina Rose versus Hikaru Shida. We saw this at Double or Nothing, but it was a street fight or a, it was a hardcore match of sorts. Um, Fourteen minutes, kind of dragged. I felt like actually it started off and in the middle was really good, but then it kind of fell apart towards the end, and like. I don't know. It just it seemed a bit overbooked towards the back end of it, like pulling each other off pins and then Vicky getting involved and then Nyla kicking out of stuff, then having to be like need like fourteen times in the head to win. I was like the whole ending of it just kind of fell apart for me. Like it could have just been trimmed as a decent title defense for Sheeda, but it all got a bit sloppy in the end. Yeah, it was a it was a strange one. Like I definitely feel like, and it as well. I guess rewind it. I guess. It hasn't really been playing out on on Dynamite. This is another no. thing that's been playing out on Dark a lot. I've been noticing, um, and it's so I don't feel as invested in this storyline as potentially some of the other stuff because I don't watch Dark, which was a little bit frustrating. There wasn't um, that much more on Dark, to be fair though. Like there no, was there true. was a promo from Vicky saying we're not wrestling anymore until Sheeda accepts it, and that was pretty much it. I was like, well, then they disappeared for literally a month until until Shida accepted it. But. Yeah, well, I think this is the problem with the women's division at the moment. They're, it feels like they had to put Nyla out there because they, they with Stetlander obviously out injured yeah. and uh, yeah. I don't know, like it just doesn't feel like there's much. Britt Baker's you know, only in, just come back from injury, so it's too yeah, soon. Swole. I don't know why they didn't push Swole. Maybe though, maybe that's for the next one. Who knows? Um, yeah. But it's. Uh, because that's another thing. Like Swole got the, the win over Britt Baker. You think she'll get the push, and she seems to have not been pushed really since that point. They not so... had a match on Dynamite. Swole and Sheeda. Did they? I feel like they did, and it wasn't very good. Might maybe I've not. I, 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 maybe they have, and I haven't seen it. But it's. Um, 
yeah, it's just the the build up for this one just just a bit like it wasn't great. The best bit of the whole thing was that the end one when Vicky Guerrero basically uh, took not took out but basically told Nyla Rose off, and yeah. it was like suddenly this big beast has suddenly been sort of put in a place by Vicky Guerrero. I just assumed uh, she was going to lamp Vicky, and that would be the last we saw of Guerrero, but yeah, she didn't. And I was like, oh, actually, she's still got some more legs in it. Yeah. Which is, a, and I think that's a real interesting play now on on that storyline. I feel like it allows Nyla Rose to go off and do something quite interesting that's not going for the title, um, because obviously all she's been is like go for the title, go for the title. Yeah. But she needs something else because she's had it. I feel like they, they probably they don't want to give it straight back to her, but maybe a bit later on down the line. And there's probably a few other people they could put it on. So um, that that was good. Like I know what you mean by the match. It did feel like it dragged. It was definitely the match. I picked up my phone. <laughs> the most just to look what was going on on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I'm just struggling to understand what they're going to do with the women's division. Like at the moment, I yeah. just, I just really struggled to understand which direction it's going. No, it's just sort of stuck in the same, it's in like a transition mode. It's just not going up. It's going down a little bit sometimes. And yeah, it's not, we've spoke about it so many times that it's just still not, it's not fixed. Whatever the problem is, He's not quite there. I know it's been tricky because they've had a few injuries and COVID has not helped at all, but um, you feel like there's still enough kind of talent there to do it if you really put the, the effort in to think about it. Um, fortunately, we then got FTR versus the Young Bucks. Um, 29 minutes. Now, it didn't feel like 29 minutes to me. I really enjoyed this match and... I get to be honest. Coming into the match, I was re- I was a bit annoyed by the stipulation that the Young Bucks had put on because it kind of forecasted the result almost. Because we've already had Cody not challenging for the world title because he lost the same stipulation at the same event last year, and I was like, could you not think of something different to just put the stip on, or just not have the stipulation? It didn't seem like it was a necessary escalation for the story, um, but. There was a lot to live up to here. People have been talking about the Young Bucks versus FTR for years. And we finally get it. Yes, it's it's post kind of COVID, which means there's a, there's a very small crowd to, to feed off of. But in my opinion, this was the best sort of COVID match I've seen since this, since the crowds went away and we got we got we've had reduced footfall in i really 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 enjoyed this like every minute of it and it ran about the same time as ftr versus hangman page and kenny but just felt so much better i don't know i don't know what it was um but they've told i think i feel like all four men told a great story if even if the the storyline leading into it wasn't wasn't set up the best because we've had a bit of young buck heelish stuff and it's kind of like almost two heels fighting at one point but that's enough of me pouring fantastic praise in it and it's your turn to to shit all over it now and tell me why i'm wrong no i i was gonna so i went into this match and if i'm being honest i've not yet enjoyed an ftr match in aw really oh, i feel tally, I feel, I just, fuming i know don't get me wrong i feel like they're great on the mic they're great storytellers but actually in the ring I mm. just find them a little bit boring. I don't know why. I've just, just that's not kind really... of a gimmick, though, isn't it? That's kind I, of what I, this was. It's like traditional old school tag wrestling versus the flipping and the flopping. And because yeah. Matt was injured, they couldn't really do much of the flipping and the flopping. They had to find alternative means. I mean, we'll talk yeah. about the finish, but that was just genius, in my opinion. <laughs> what they had yeah. to resort to. Yeah. I, so I was. But that all being said, this was by ease. Well, this was easily my favourite. 
um, match of uh, of the card easily, yeah. Yeah. and it's really probably close. my second favourite tag match uh, of the of the year after the the Hangman Kenny Youngbacks yeah. match. Like I like there was something that those two did together that just seemed to work really well, and uh, as you said, I, th- I think it was the difference between some of the being able to mix up between some of the flip-flopping between some of the old school. I liked again, not to Excalibur to consistently, you know, pull out our, oh, that's, you know, a nod to uh, the Hardys. That's yeah. a nod to um, this, that the Dudleys and, 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 and like Steiner brothers. <laughs> exactly. It just sort of, it just makes it uh, a bit more real. Um, and like just like little things like when they went to the top rope and they, they mentioned when Alex Reynolds got knocked out. Like, this is the move that uh, – um, no, that was something else. Sorry, I've gone off track. But um, <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking of something else. I know what I was thinking about. But um, it's, um, it was just like the way it was sort of mixed together. It just didn't feel too one-sided at all. It's very – I didn't know where it was going to go. So much so that, you know, about 20 minutes in, in my head, I'm starting to think, well, you know – how would they get the young bucks out of this without them mm. winning it and potentially FTR? Maybe they go for the full 60 minutes here and it just finishes. And that's what I was, I, I swear in my head what they were going to do about sort of like 15, 20 minutes in, because I was so in awe of this match. And I was like, it can keep going quite happily. And they could probably be the first, you know, hour match that just gets, you yeah. know, no, and then that, that timed out. They haven't lost technically because, you know, it's, you know, it's just that they haven't got the titles. And then, it just enables that story to continue building in the Young Bucks, the FTR, you know, who's the greatest? We still haven't got a decider. Uh, and in a funny sort of way, I'm, I'm a little bit gutted they didn't maybe go that route because, you know, I feel like I'd like to see them wrestle more often. Mm. Um, and, and who knows? But like, yeah, it was it was such a good good match they were all great like to such from when you know was it was it cash or dax who had the cut hand and stuff yeah. like that and just playing on the little bits and telling these stories throughout the match um it worked so much better without tully being there and actually just doing being full out wrestling for them yeah. anyway I think. And, and also it ties into the end because the basically the ftr throw the kitchen sink at at the the young bucks they can't they can't get a pin on them Either they roll out the ring or they get close enough where they can grab the ropes or they kick out. And in the end, without Tully's kind of guidance, it, it Cash kind of panics and thinks, well, I'm going to try and do something that's completely out of character. A springboard 450 off the ropes, misses it, gets super kicked and then loses that way. So they every every angle was covered in, in this match. And I feel like if it had a crowd there, like a full-blown four-arena this may have eclipsed the Kenny and and Hangman and and Young Bucks match earlier in the year. I really feel like this would have been blowing the roof off of the place, especially when the Young Bucks won. Um, but for a a COVID era match, this is easily the best match singles or tag that I've seen since all this bollocks had to kick off. So it, it, incredible, and that was with what I thought was a bit of a shoddy job leading into it with the stories. Um, I didn't. I, I really couldn't. I mean, why were the Bucks acting like twats for so long? Like you were basically almost getting two heel teams to. They could have just played the the ultimate baby faces and just rode into the match and, and walked out like that. But I don't know if you've got any opinion on the on the route to this. But they, in the end, it, it, all's well that ends well. But personally, I I, I like them turning a bit heel. Like like they they I don't feel like they pushed it far too far that they went mm. you know fully heel. They kicked like, Tony Schiavone. 
Yeah, but I quite enjoyed that, you know, <laughs> in, in a funny sort of way. It's like that type of thing where, you know, Chris Jericho is consistently telling Tony to shut up yeah. and stuff like that. I, I sort of thought uh, it's just all sort of like, you know, a bit tongue in cheek. And, uh, and it if was they just a bit that would have been the end of it. There's no coming back from that. <laughs> Uh, yeah but it's just like i don't know like it was like it felt like they things hadn't worked so they had to change things up slightly and to be honest i personally were getting a bit bored of just this really you know one-dimensional baby-faced young buck so they're great wrestlers don't get me wrong yeah. but like just being goody goody two shoes just really didn't do it for, for me personally i like them with that bit more of an edge that bit more of that split personality type of character and stuff like that and once again this is another factor where bte does a great job of you know supplementing uh some of these matches where you know the the, the you learn a lot about uh, the young backs in, in just watching BT on, on YouTube. So like, and their sort of turn and stuff like that. I personally, for me, I, I felt that I, tried to, I was more just frustrated. I felt like, I know a lot of people was being there going, Oh, this has been years in the making and stuff like that. I felt like they fought each other too quick. If anything, they probably could have, you know, waited it out like a, a year or so before yeah. that match actually happened and really, really, really built it. Like, so to me, it was only like, six months maybe well the build out i guess six months is still quite a long time in terms of wrestling but it felt like it could have gone on a bit longer personally yeah, yeah no I, I agree with that fair enough uh, we then go on to matt hardy versus sammy guevara the elite deletion match cinematic tripe um this was just so long so so long it was entertaining don't get me wrong there were certainly some funny bits in it and like the ending was fucking horrible it was like a it really took a turn for like the series i actually felt felt bad for sammy in the end like almost getting murdered by, by matt hardy in the dome or whatever it was but this felt like it went on forever um there was lots of nudges and winks and bits and pieces based on old deletion matches that are, I guess are an impact now. Um, cameos from Hurricane Helms and the best bit was Gangrel, I'm not gonna lie. Seeing Gangrel back was just was just brilliant. But private party show up, uh, Santana and Ortiz they show up and we get Roman candles being fired at each other. Like there was some there was some good moments in it, but I just generally don't like these type of matches and it just went on too long for me. Yeah, so I I was thinking I would be in the same once I realised that it was a cinematic match, I was thinking, Oh no, here we go. But I I I quite enjoyed it. I mm. I think the reason I saw I'm enjoying more of the AEW cinematic matches over the WWE cinematic matches is there's still an element of wrestling to them, but mm. they, it's obviously therefore a lot more choreographed in terms of, you know, you know, some of these, you know, the table st- uh, stunts, you know, with off the ladder in the yeah. dome and stuff like that. That was fucking disgusting. Like it was like, yeah. like they, 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 you, you can still tell they're putting their, their bodies on the line for, for a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, parts of the match. And yeah, it may not have all been one continuous shot, but it was, it definitely felt like it had some good moments. I, I know what you meant by the cameos. I felt like there was maybe a two, too many cameos um like it, you know a, a nod or a wink here or there would have been would have been fun but like in the end it was just there was just everyone in there's just too many people if anything and it just took away the roman candle bit was interesting but 
you know that's never going to hurt anyone and so it's like why <laughs> why do it you know apart from it just looking a bit spectacular yeah. the ending i thought was brilliant and in, in a funny sort of way i was watching it and thinking you know they put sammy in that wheelbarrow and stuff like that and you're like fucking hell he's like been murdered and you know <laughs> and stuff like what's going on but like what you said the other day sammy will make a great baby face one day could this be the opportunity that you know sammy you know cut gets you know comes back as a baby face at, at one point who knows but like it's um it feels to me like sammy can't just come back like mm. he needs to be off for a long period of time and then jump, you know, uh, like Matt Hardy, you know, in like two months down the line or something like that. Or it, he just can't come back. And they need to address, you know, this brutal, satanic Matt Hardy that just suddenly appealed. Even bloody jail. I was going, oh, crikey, you know, what's going on? This, this is this far too much now. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it was. But it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I somewhat enjoyed it. Gangrel appearing was, was funny. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm assuming Hurricane, I'm assuming he's from Impact. Um, he was in that, WWE for a while. But I mean, because there was a mention but... and there was a, there was a the reason I was saying it was because they were like, oh, yeah, it took two years to finish this storyline yeah, long term. And I'm assuming yeah. that was like an Impact storyline yeah, or something along yeah. those lines yeah. that they've just sort of finished off. Yeah. It was. It, that's, that's exactly right. That's my understanding of it, anyway. But Hurricane Helms was in WWE before Impact, um, and then went to Impact at some point and got snarled up in this. But it, it, he's been rescued now. Yeah. Well, uh, look, I, I I can't handle much more of these cinematic matches. It feels to this stage now they're just kind of forcing it. I kind of get this one because of the the horrendous luck that Matt and Sammy have had in their feud like I wouldn't have trusted them just to do a live match again in case something went wrong so at least this way it was far more controlled um, and they a bit more safety around it if they need to stop they clearly did at points they, they could but I don't want to be seeing these every pay-per-view and we're getting them every pay-per-view with the fucking tooth match last time tooth and nail yeah that was meant to be a buy-in though to be fair like that you well, know got bumped I mean, they bumped up <laughs> We had the stadium stampede, which was good until fucking Matt Hardy transformed underwater. Yeah, see, that's the thing. And a couple of these things happened in this, you know, where it's just unrealistic. I don't mind these pre-taped matches in, like, random locations. If, even And even if they stop in, and uh, but it, I, I'm not noticing they're yeah. stopping and it looks yeah. like one continuous shot, I don't mind that. I just don't want some of this bollock stuff you know like the bit that annoyed me in this one was the fucking hologram of matt hardy at the very front start from the fucking drone when <laughs> yeah. sammy turned up and i was like fucking hell right straight away off on the, oh that's off on a bad foot because that's never happening in real life um i appreciate the show and it's, it's not real in general but just just try and keep some realism to it and mm. you know i'll be more than happy yep we then got a uh, lance archer beating someone up against a brick wall um Jake Roberts cut another promo. He can still talk when he needs to. I've even noticed Lance Archer is actually pretty good when he gets his chance now. Um, yeah. I feel like he's come a long way and improved. There was there was actually a really good primary cut, but it was on Dark. I remember it, and I was thinking, cool. Maybe they didn't want to put it on Dynamite in case he bollocks it up. But he was. I'm hoping that that's Jake rubbing off on him, and he's just getting better. But the trouble with Jake is he's so good that he can overshadow Lance. We've just had yeah. videos on the mic. And he's yeah, fucking Lance, big as well, so he doesn't make Lance doesn't look as big because Jake's a fucking big man as well. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that they, they seem to be pairing off some of these, like at least like you know, 
getting some of these guys experience with you know old school guys that are really good you know like mm. you've got tully you've got uh Arn anderson you've got uh jake you've got uh taz it's like yeah. they're sort of in some way sort of matt hardy sort of like mentoring these young people to really yeah. help yeah. with them and I, I i you can see that's clearly what they're trying to do even if there's it's not the the point of it in the show but it's i think that's really good i feel like with lance archer they don't know what to really do with him no. like i feel like he's he could easily be a world champion. Um, he's he's clearly a top. This is the problem, though. I'd say clearly a top five guy, but there's so many top five guys out there's more than five, yeah. and that's the problem. Is I don't Ain't know. Room for yeah, exactly, and that's the problem I'm seeing at the moment. And you, the, the, this is the reason you probably see with like Team Taz. It's like they've not got the room to put them in. Well, they are in the top five actually saying that, aren't they? But um, <laughs> like Cage is second, but there seems to be too many. And we've, potentially pack on his way back as well it's like how are they going to have room for like the jericho's the mjf's the cody's the the lance archer the Mox, the mm. um all and all these people and that's just five so and then kenny's hangman like you've probably got about between 10 and 15 what i'd call people that could win that world title which is great in terms of depth but Equally, at the same time, it means people just don't get used an awful lot sometimes. And uh, I feel like Lance Hodge is unfortunately in that position where he's probably not fully being used. And to be fair, they sort of address that in some of these VTs, yeah. which I'm sort of quite glad they do. It's like Taz is addressing it really in his promos. It feels like Jake's addressing it you know, yeah. in his promos. And it's like, you know, we're not get given our opportunity and we're da 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 da. And at least they address it. And I feel like, you know, Tony and the Bookers and all like that clearly know they're not booking these guys as much as they probably would like to but at least they you know it still gets them over a bit there's only one way to solve that what's that sack them all three hour dynamite no, no, no. <laughs> i can't do it no there are, there are they've got another show lined up i don't know what it is but it's meant to be an hour so um, that's how it starts though isn't it i know <sighs> but they have said it won't be like it won't be like dark so i don't know what it is uh, it may even be announced but this is published I don't think it will but hopefully by the end of this year we'll find out what that is and had the pandemic not happened I think they would have already had it but it's a good problem to have but yeah it does feel like some people are wasted and Lance Archer was a bit unlucky because he can't, he got I don't know if he got COVID or at least he got he got in contact with someone with it and had to miss like a couple of weeks they were doing that, that six man tag wasn't they um, I think it was with Cage and Starks and Archer versus Hobbs, Darby and, and Moxley. Moxley, and then, yeah. Then Lance had to miss that week because he was quarantining. That's when they done <laughs> that the Eddie Kingston. cancelled. Yeah, it got cancelled. And then Eddie Kingston took on Moxley. And now we end up going down that route, which couldn't have been planned. It, 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 I refuse to believe that was what the plan was. But I think after their match, they decided to go with that. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that because we're, we're at the co-main event. MJF versus Jericho, 16 minutes. Um, if Jericho, sorry, if MJF wins, he joins the inner circle despite Santana. I know Santana's not bothered actually. It's mainly Ortiz and Sammy that didn't want him in. Um, they've had run-ins. They've had a town hall. They've had the dinner debonair fucking Broadway show. I mean, before we get into the match, what's what do you feel like? This isn't done either. This is clearly going to go with MJF doing something dastardly to Jericho and Jericho going full babyface. It's just a question of who he drags babyface with him. But how do you feel like the build up to this this first phase of the of the relationship between Jericho and MJF has gone? Because some people really did not like that dinner debonair. 
Oh, really? I see. I really enjoyed it. I feel like it was one of those things. It was only like a five-ish minute segment. And mm. I, I can handle that on on a dynamite, like just something a bit stupid, something a bit different, you know, add something, you know, slightly wacky. And I feel like, you know, MJF and Jericho, the only two people that could have done that dinner debonair. Yeah. And it, 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 I feel like it worked. It sort of helped tell the story that these, these two unique characters in there quite similar in in a funny sort of way except you know mjf is very much the the junior to uh to jericho senior that's really trying to you know uh bark to him uh, and, yeah. and stuff and i i i think it's really i feel like they've done the build-up for this one well like really really well and i'm I just want more of it, and I know I'm going to get more of it now. Yeah. Now, now that uh, to give away people, well, that he, now he's won the the, the, the match. So spoilers. Um, the spoilers, but um, yeah, it was it was it was. I think it was really well done. I feel like with Jericho now, I'm, I, I look at Jericho and just feel like he wants to just be just try different things mm. it, it clearly is he tried obviously the mimosa match with cassidy he needs to be reined in doing... sometimes though because apparently he does, the, he did... the dinner debonair was supposed to be at one point it was pictures it was a dream in jericho's head and i was like oh god luckily they didn't go down that route <laughs> tony Khan was like no but no. he needs to be regulated you can't let him run too much too much riot well he did come out and say the whole remember when matt hardy did, did his entry and he appeared all mm. over the ring and you yeah. know it's like uh, that was jericho's idea yeah. as well so he, yeah i'm not I definitely know what you mean he, he he's definitely got this artistic flair that he wants to get out there and do something different and aw allowing him to do that um but as long as he yeah as long as it keeps relatively well and i I'm, I'm quite happy for him to try some of these things and see how it goes and yeah and stuff like that as long as it's kept to like a dynamite segment you know that's like a five ten minute section you know we try saying if did it work no it didn't work then just bin it you know move on but um it, you know i feel like it was good i enjoyed it and i i'm i am interested to see where it goes i've got my theory um I, we've not even really spoken about the match but i've got my theory where i think it will go that as you said and you alluded to it it's 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 about how does mjf take control of the inner circle mm. and how does who does he who stays within the inner circle and jericho goes full baby face and who doesn't who sort of sticks on the side of, of, of jericho does jericho take i'm assuming he'll end up taking um what's it matt hager with him um mm. to babyfaceville because you've got your ward lows and they're sort of similar equally hager was the only one that was there with jericho at that point and it'd be interesting that he manages to flip you know the people that he hate that hated mjf at the start i think there's an interesting story there so yeah i think it's a matter of when will that happen because it's it would definitely make the most compelling storyline it yeah. might not happen but you know i think that's where they should be going yeah I- I like the match itself. I felt was okay. I really liked the finish with the the baseball bat being thrown and then MJF collapsing, pretending that Jericho hit him. Aubrey turns around, starts yelling at yelling at Jericho, saying, "Have you just done that?" And as he's distracted, MJF can roll him up and get the tights. I thought that was a really clever way because they mentioned that he's willing to go to win it any way he can, and that was a, a clever um, finish. But the match itself, I thought was just okay. Like. Um, Jericho's fucking old now that's the only thing it's like how many more years has he realistically got in him because he's an old boy now he needs to have his his rest that's exactly I feel like 
and I've, I've I've been noticing this the more we've been more I've been watching Jericho. Like I think he's brilliant on the mic. I think he's he's a great you know commentator. He does that whole you know back in the early nineties where you know WWE had that heel commentator all the time, and he yeah. does that really well. Bobby. Um, yeah, that's it, Bobby. Um, but I feel like, and he definitely does some stuff in the ring that's really good. But I feel like he's slowing down a bit, and I feel like it's that. The, the, the matches themselves are, are, are not spectacular anymore. I'm not going to yeah. get a spectacular match from Jericho. What I get from Jericho is a really good storyline, yeah. something different, and he'll, he'll, he'll amuse me in that way, which is what I definitely get every time. But I won't be getting my high impact or you know proper wrestling that you know you might get from some of the other matches. But that's fine. I can live with that. But he, there is going to be a point where he he will walk away from wrestling. I would imagine. I don't think we're a million miles away from it. I think he'll still, you know, have some capacity in terms of being, you know, the co, you know, man on the mic, or he might lead a faction a bit like a Taz and stuff like that. He might do a really good job at doing something like that, but we'll see. He's got so many other plates he's spinning. He might just walk away for good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, We had a little backstage segment with Orange Cassidy, best friends, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford and Miro interrupt it. Um, Kip wants uh, an apology because he almost injured Penelope on uh, on Dynamite and then Kip slaps him Cassie doesn't react and they walk off um, I don't know what they're doing <laughs> with some of this I, stuff I, like, I, Kip and Miro like, I feel like I lo- you know I love Kip obviously because he's British but Miro surely has more upside than hanging around with little Kip like he's devastatingly good in the ring like he could be just a the trouble is they've got Lance Archer as a monster and Brian like they've got a lot of big guys now that have just suddenly yeah. appeared in the last sort of six months and Miro is another one of those and I kind of I get the impression that Miro is doing stuff that he enjoys so he's happy doing it so he doesn't he doesn't need to be like pushed to a title or anything like that but I'm not sure whether it makes compelling television every week um, when yeah, the arcade I, I machines thought- getting broken. They're like leaning into the like, gamer thing, which we kind of appreciate, but even for us, we're a bit like, ain't that big a deal. Yeah. I feel like, I think you're right. Like in a funny sort of way, like they bring in another big guy. Let's do something different that we've not done with him before. Mm. And that's all what this whole, you know, being the tag and stuff like, which is good. I feel like uh, they've, they've paired him up with Kip mainly. Well, they've obviously got things in common about the Twitch and stuff like that, but yeah. it's um, like with Jimmy Havoc sort of going and Kip and Jimmy Havoc getting a bit of a push there. It yeah. feels like, you know, it felt bad luck for Kip and all like that. That was completely out of his hands and he was starting to get a bit more TV time. And, you know, he was one of the, the few that were regulars in the, the start of the pandemic that, you know, the yeah. company could rely on. And it sort of feels like the company have gone, right here you go you and Miro pair up like that this will definitely give you some TV time Kip you know this is sort of a bit of a thank you um, for, for, for being around at that period of time when they did struggle for, for matches um, and uh, yeah I feel like that's sort of the angle on that that sort of happened probably behind the scenes I, I, I sort of feel like it's a foregone conclusion that Miro and uh, Kip are going to beat the best friends in whatever capacity they end up, you know, having right. that final match in mainly because they've been pushing the best friends for a long time. They've gotten close to titles mm. uh, they've missed out. And it feels like how much more can you 
keep pushing best friends whereas it feels like it's a good opportunity for them to push miro and you know the best friends just came out of that title thing with ftr yeah um, and it's like right they'll be good opponents now, for, now, for the young bucks wouldn't they miro and kip like they can get them yeah that level. And exactly and it's a good opportunity for the, if miro and kip you know be uh best friends then it suddenly yeah. puts miro and kip in in a in a good light in a tag team division that they could have those sort of you know matches and so forth they, they did say something similar with um uh jimmy havoc and kip they they i can't remember who they beat at the time but they beat someone and suddenly like oh you're now like actually probably in the top five of the tag team because you, yeah. you've just beaten that, that one team i think it was uh socal uh oh, they yeah, beat SCU, yeah. um which suddenly just elevated them to like all oh, right well you're, you're clearly a main tag team now and stuff like that so i feel like that's what they're doing with this um i, I feel like they're just going around about a bit of a strange way you know the the, the, the machine they, they probably just need to hurry up and get that part of that storyline. Did you get that fucking wedding what... out of the way with? Oh it's gonna, yeah, it's, it's going to be bad <laughs> when it happens. It will, be, it will be bad if they do it. If any, if history's going to tell you anything, wrestling weddings will go bad, either literally or in in the narrative. So it'll be interesting. To I don't think we've even had his stag do yet, have we? Like he was talking about it, and then we had Billy Mitchell yeah. turn up on Dynamite. Wasn't that the stag do, Billy Mitchell, where he turned up? Yeah, but they didn't show anything of it. They just showed Billy Mitchell smiling. <laughs> that was it. That's all they needed to do. I mean, who the fuck knows Billy Mitchell other than us two? Like, well, was Miro did. I was watching Miro Miro's, does. Did, no, he didn't. He didn't know who he was. No, he didn't. Until afterwards. And then someone sent him the video because someone got really angry with him for doing that segment with Billy Mitchell. And he was like, who's this guy? And then, and then someone went, oh, watch this. And he watched it. And he was like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> madness main event moxley versus eddie kingston if you'd asked me that four months ago i'd have said what are you smoking but they've uh it's an i quit match for the world title the promos and you know tv bits and spots and the build-up to this one was just phenomenal like kingston kind of has one gear but he's really good at that one gear I'm really interested to see where he goes after this because there's only so much shouting and hollering you can kind of get away with before people just get turned off by it. But I felt like this sort of truncated run that Moxley and this collision course of Kingston they've had, delving into their history, talking about them being friends back in the day and how Moxley kind of hit the big time going to WWE and Kingston got left behind. Like the the, the common story is that Kingston had to sell his wrestling boots earlier in the year when the pandemic hit because he couldn't get any work. And then just a few months later, he's challenging Moxley for the, the world title for the second time. This time it's main event in a, a pay-per-view. Just before we get into the match itself, what did you think of, of the build-up to this? And are you as surprised as, as I am that, that Kingston's managed to get into this spot because it, it kind of didn't look on the cards from when he first arrived. I thought he'd make a good like mid to upper person, but he's he's got there. Yeah, I feel like the build-up's been great, and I I feel like we probably need to tip our cap a little bit to Kingston on a lot of this because yeah. he's it's him. At the end of the day, I think he if, it feels like I don't feel like it's been planned. I feel like he's just taken his opportunity where things have been presented. So like the thing like where he didn't get thrown over the ropes. That was clearly a mistake. Um, but they just went like they, they sort of called it. And then some people on obviously the internet said, well, he didn't go over the ropes. And he, yeah. and, and he used that in his promo. And it felt like, oh, well, yeah, he's got a point there. And then with the, the, when he put uh, Kingston to sleep, um, suddenly it was like, 
well, that was probably all a part of the story, but it felt like Kingston then used that to his advantage to keep saying, well, actually, I'm this this big guy. Because it definitely felt like they were just trying to push him as this mid-card, you know, head of this faction. But it yeah. felt like Kingston kept pushing these narratives yeah. um, when he was doing his promos, whether or whether not that that was what AEW wanted him to do. He was pushing it. And then it felt natural, because, didn't it? Exactly. And, and that that was really good and it sort it put AEW if, if they weren't playing already in a position where well, we need to address this but the the story was so good and so compelling you, you it was it was a, it was a great build up and but in, in a funny sort of way it's like Eddie's meant to be the hill here you know uh, mm. King uh, Moxley's the baby face but you know like they it's, it's this thing again with AW. There's, there's, they don't really do Hill Babyface as a real complex characters because yeah. you are Willian Kingston on. Like he's, it feels very much like this rags to riches story yeah. over the past sort of four months, and you, you, you sort of you don't want to see him quit in this match. You want to see him get the win by any means necessary. Um, but equally at the same time, you don't want Mox to not be your champion. It's, 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 it puts you in a hard position as, as a fan. I, I enjoy the being in those positions. I don't want just to be bread and butter. Tell me who I want, who's going to win, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. Mm. So yeah, I, I thought the, the, the build-up was phenomenal. And like, I like the fact that they're throwing photos up there of them as younger as <laughs> yeah. well and stuff like that, which just sort of just adds more to the context that they, they, they knew each other for parts. And there was a part, you know, in the, the build-up in Dynamite where they couldn't touch each other. That's and, it, you yeah. know, Moxley was referring to his mum and by his mother's name and stuff like that. And, mm. like, just these elements were just... It was gritty and it was real. Or what was made to be real felt real. And it was great, I felt, the yeah. build-up. It was actually quite heartbreaking to see Kingston have to quit in the end. And I mean, he had a fucking bulldog choke wrapped around him with with barbed wire. So it it was a, it was an escalation that was probably needed to to make him quit. Um, but the match itself, obviously, it was a brutal, bloody um, encounter. It was never going to be a technical wrestling match. It was never designed to be that. It was exactly what I was expecting. Some people don't like these matches. I I think if you as long as you don't do them every every pay per view or every you know month, they are they this earned its place to be an I quit match because of the story they told. And then once they get in there, you know it is what it is. Like it's it's a hardcore, brutal, bloody encounter with barbed wire, with thumbtacks, with chairs, with all sorts of painful looking moments i mean kingston got out some alcohol from the from the from doc sampson's desk and poured that all over the back of moxley who had at that time got thumbtacks in his back um what did, what did you make of the match overall because it actually only went 18 minutes which again they i think is was a good time for this because you don't want to drag it out too much yeah, it was a really good match. I I'm I must admit I'm a fan of sort of like the more of the hardcore wrestling. So this was sort of right up my street. I I, I feel like as well like you got to like be appreciative like how long Moxley went on for after he got put into the fun tax. Usually yeah. that's something that happens very near the end of a match because people are going to have these tacks stuck in them for quite some period of time. And that's going to be painful, especially if you're going to have to do all these other moves and stuff like that. And so to keep going for the, the time that he did afterwards, it, it pretty much happened. It felt like in the middle of the match. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I was, I was massively impressed with that. Like it was a hardcore match and it was, uh, well it was an eye match but it was like done in such a hardcore way and I, I really really enjoyed it I, I felt like they told the story, a really good story um, in it and I feel like both men uh, have been elevated well Mox is the champion it's so hard to keep evaluating uh, keep you know elevating him but you know mm. with um, with uh, Kingston it's now like I feel like 
he's put himself in in a really good position that you know aw you've got someone good on on their, their their hands that they can do something with i, I in my head i feel like i know what they're going to do with him uh mm. which which i'm quite excited for um but it also allows the narrative to 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 continue because it's now like you know kingston's a top bloke who's going to fight kingston next in my opinion it's it's got to be pack <laughs> yeah that's yeah Absolutely. It's got to be Pac's comeback now. Like that's set up perfectly. You've got this top bloke that's only just lost out to Kings, uh, lost out to Moxley, yeah. and you've suddenly bring Pack back, and you've got this whole sort of beef between. You've got the Lucha Bros coming in the next episode of Dynamite facing against each other. There's clearly some sort of disparity between the brothers, and so like they, 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 there's a good storyline here. Brother each. Yeah, exactly. There's a really good storyline here that they can they can play in. You know, when Penta then turns on uh, on Kingston, which will happen for the brothers to reunite at some point because they're brothers. That's what always happens. Yeah. Um, and then Death Triangle reunites. So that that's in my head. It just makes such a great story. You suddenly got you know Kingston. This this has been built up really well and stuff like that. So yeah. But anyway, that's that's further in the future. That might not happen. That's what I'd like to see happen. But I feel Kingston's done himself proud. Like. He's 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 earned himself now as a as a as one of the big boys at uh, AEW, uh, and he can cannot consider himself top five. I wouldn't say, but you know, definitely top ten. Yeah, well, there you go, Tony Khan. If you're listening, and you want booking ideas for Pack, then Paper's written it out for you there. <laughs> um, Moxley wins. Kenny won his match. Kenny pops out at the end, and we know where they're heading. Like, I think there might be one other title defense. I think I feel like Lance Archer is going to get another shot against Moxley because they keep going on about it and banging on about it. But that will, in my opinion, that's surely only going to be a pit stop until the collision course of Moxley versus Omega finally happens. You'd think Revolution would be the target for that. Yes, it's it's basically four months away, but I feel like they can do they can do this and. I really have a sneaky suspicion that could be the end of Mox's title reign and it might even be sickeningly close to being one year and not quite making it like by a matter of days have a look uh, Revolution was the 29th last year of February it'll be the 27th this year so cool. it'll, be, it'll be literally like one day away because it would, or two days away from being a whole year as the champ and I feel like Kenny's Kenny's going to be that guy that's going to come along and unseat him and the problem, I think that not the problem, but because Moxie's just been so good as a champion, like most of his defenses, you kind of knew what way they were going to go. Um, he feels like because he's a level above everyone else, there's been no real major threat to it. Whereas I think if they can, Kenny's in the right sort of foundational spot now to work towards that, and then we've got a pick and fight happening at Revolution. And again, we talk about long-term storytelling. One year ago. Moxley took on Kenny Omega, but it was in a lights out hardcore match. So Kenny lost that one. Now this is going to, I can't see them doing anything other than a straight wrestling match. And then Kenny gets the better of that because he's the better technician. And then who knows when the third match will happen, but I'm excited for this. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like there's some real good time to really build up Kenny to bring him back to that sort of real high level that we all know he's at and stuff like that. And I feel like four months is a good period of time for them to do that for him it to get out. It's a bit too long like... away, doesn't it? Considering you just won a tournament, you would expect, I don't know, like all the other, like the battle Royale has been like within a few weeks or a month. Like that's the only thing I'm thinking of that they might pull the trigger early and do like a special dynamite show. But I think you'd be doing the match a bit of a disservice, putting it up. Well, 
maybe you wouldn't maybe you do the match on dynamite like a big show you build towards and you swap the belt on dynamite to prove that can happen as well and maybe that's when you do it i don't know but it's an awful long time four months to have, uh, have yeah. kenny sort of just in the background working towards it like he's in theory he's already won his his shot at it so it's like would you even bother wrestling if you had that in your back pocket well, I feel like you got the opportunity to Kenny now to really sort of hammer home because he's definitely the type of wrestler, more so than Mox, that can happily wrestle week in, week out yeah. and put on a great performance. And I feel like he should now, you should get Kenny facing some of the top, you know, guys in, in the area and stuff like that. Like, not just squash matches, but like not like, you know, like the Sunny Kisses, the Janellas and stuff like that. But give him, you know, some of these, you know, top guys the the lance archers the brian cages and all like that and let and the brody lees and get and win and winning them and getting winning them um not super comfortably but like winning them well yeah. and it just slowly builds up kenny's always he's on this massive role and stuff like that and then not only that you've got um kenny was the number one wrestler in the world in 2018 didn't yeah. Mox get given the number one wrestler for this year in the world? Early, yeah, earlier on he and, was listed as number one. So yeah, so we've got this whole why not? You've got the whole playoff. You know, you know who really is the best wrestler of all time. You know, they've both been ranked number one and stuff yeah. like that. And there's there's such a good build up to it. I feel like Kenny's still got there's still some elite stuff happening in the background that he can definitely lean into and stuff like that. Yeah. We never mentioned the fact that, and actually this was poor from the, the commentators. They never mentioned the fact that um, hangman appeared at the oh, fucking yeah. tunnel when the young bucks won. Yeah. And I was like, he's there mention it. So your audience can see. Cause like we, well, we, uh, hopefully the audience did see, but, yeah. and I feel like after he came, like they, they were like, Oh, was there someone in the doorway? <laughs> but they never like, like, you've missed it now. You've missed the opportunity to mention that. And, and like, that was a good part of the story. Cause like, that there's that part of the story which they've got to play a bit with the whole you know you know hangman's the the loser of the whole of the elite the elite's now <laughs> going on to be the best and stuff like that um so yeah um I, I i'm i'm excited for it i don't feel like they need to do anything too crazy i feel like you just need to keep kenny winning winning well and winning against top blokes and um and even just do a couple of like little exhibition things you know like that's just fun. Do you know, like when Kenny bloody fought an 11 year old or something once yeah. girl and stuff like that, just do something like that. That just, you know, just bring that sort of Kenny back to the table and, uh, and, and see how it goes. Maybe Kenny versus Marco stunt again, where he just absolutely fucking destroys him. Um, <laughs> who knows? Absolutely bloodies him. Yeah. I, feel, I like the idea of actually Lance Archer being beaten by Kenny. Like maybe Lance keeps waffling on about, you know, wanting a title shot or whatever it is, and Kenny's like, "Well, I've I've won the tournament, so you got to go through me." And maybe that's how they do it. Maybe that's how they build Kenny's that he he says that oh, I want to have this match with Moxley. Maybe they mention Revolution as being where he wants to have the big match of all the lights and it being on pay per view. He says, "Until then, I'll I'm going to defend the right to you know have this match." And he beats people like Lance Archer, like the Brian Cages, another like Eddie Kingston can come along and have a match and lose, and then like you think, right, he's just beat the the previous number one contender. Um, yeah, because he hasn't really like had the opportunity yet in singles. It doesn't feel like since he became that tag a year ago, hasn't yeah. had the opportunity to really prove himself in the singles uh, aspect, apart from winning that tournament. Yeah. And in that tournament, the only one he really faced. That, that sort of deserved to be there they played on this was hangman so yeah. it feels like he now needs to sort of go away you know 
so if if the, if he's going to win the title, that is, if he's not going to win the title, then maybe there's not too much of a point. But you know, if he's going to win the title, then definitely build him up to be all the guys. However, I would say don't be everyone because then he'll never it'll be hard left left to, for him to face when he is champion. But yeah. um, well, I've already told you, Hangman, double or nothing, comes back. Yeah, that's that. There, there is definitely that real long, long, long term story to be told there. And then Hangman's um, not the loser of the elite. He finally topples Kenny and wins it all after his fifteenth attempt. Yeah, that would be good. I would enjoy that. <laughs> well, that was uh, that was full gear. What um, what are we doing? Thumbs up, thumbs down, two thumbs up, one thumb down. What are you, you going to give it? I would give it a one thumbs up it's uh out of the sort of you know two thumbs up is it was is a perfect show that every match i enjoyed mm. there was probably a couple of matches where i was a bit like meh, like the john silver castillo i could have lived without i felt like uh the sheed uh nyla rose match you know it was these were good matches they just didn't they just i just didn't fully get into them um and there was just other, there were, but there was some really, really good ones. There. I would probably go one and a half thumbs if I could. Obviously, you had the the cinematic match as well, which you know is not for everyone. So, um, but yeah, for me, I'd say a one thumbs up. Um, it's worth the watch. It's yeah, twenty yeah. minutes too long though. Yeah, I'll definitely give it one thumbs up. I think if you took out just the the, the cinematic match, you'd have saved so much time. It wasn't necessary. Like that could have just not been there. there was, and that feud, going back to it, like I know they were feud like it was like a blood feud like it only got reignited like two weeks ago randomly and i was like oh we're doing that then and it was, it was i know they probably wanted to finish off what they'd started but i don't know like if you take if you take that out and the last third of the women's match you've got you know what's that six eight you've got six great matches there that all even this, this casting silver match, I'll just leave that in because it's only 10 minutes and it's not doing much harm. But it, the one thing I would say is it felt, although it was pretty much the same length, maybe a couple of minutes longer than All Out, this felt like a much better show and a much, it felt, it, I was, it breezed by, to be honest. Um, yeah. Other than the Elite Deletion match, which when I was aware this is a long match, but this was a, a step up from, from All Out, that's for sure. Um, yeah no for sure it was it was definitely a, a step in the right direction a to be fair and we are cri- we're critical but aw have done a a good uh bunch of shows this year considering that's the last show this year yeah. i i i there's not one show i haven't really enjoyed uh and we, we, we're critical of the last one but in so much so that's probably better than every wwe pay-per-view that we've we've personally watched this year so um it's they they, they do a good job for for our audience or what we like uh, from that perspective I, I would would quite happily take another i'd take 2021 to be in a similar vein of pay-per-views as this year yeah absolutely just right. with a crowd yeah yeah well who knows we'll see about that they've had i think they've got about a thousand or just just under a thousand like paid fans like 900 odd um which did it felt like it added a little bit this time but it's still like you go back and just watch revolution it's just a different it's a different program <laughs> it's, it's crazy but i don't know if they've been doing a good job of keeping it watchable and entertaining without like the main crowd so you have to kind of tip your cap to them it's been a really difficult year for a lot of the companies and the wrestlers and aw have pivoted and been adaptable enough to kind of carry on and just this this is like their first full year and you've had all this covid shit going on 
So it's a bit of a testament to survive that, really. I know they've got Tony Khan, and if they wanted to, they could put a load of money into it, but he's running it as a business. Like, it's not, he's not just plundering money into it, seemingly, as we're told. It's all being paid for, and it's all making, making money over time. So they've done a really good job to, because that would have crippled most companies um, in that their first full year of television. And yeah. maybe TNT have helped because they've not dropped some more. You know, they've kept. Well, they renewed the contract, word. didn't they? They, they extended it, it. Yeah. yeah, before all this happened, which was key. So that that probably helped them out massively. So it's been a good year. It's a shame that it has. It could have been. It would have been a better year of the crowds, but that's not the the year we've had in any walk of life. So we have to deal with it. But that's it. Full gear twenty twenty in the books. Don't know when we'll be back. Don't know what it'll be to do with, but you know, just keep subscribed. And uh, one thing you, you definitely won't happen is you won't get your podcast feed clogged up by the DDT WrestleCast. That's for sure. So just stay subscribed, and you'll get a little bonus as and when they're ready. Nothing more for us to say apart from thanks for your time and ta-da. This was a Dimp Digital production.